On this episode of Daily Notes, we are joined once again by Todd, and we are so close to Halloween, so let's talk about some really awesome horror films. You're listening to Daily Notes, presented by Home Sideways. Hello, Sydney. Remember me? Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? Goob and me don't do castle rock. Sometimes an insect will evolve to mimic its predator. Always check your candy. They're here. Groovy. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam, and these are my daily horror notes where I talk about all things horror for the month of October. This is the final week for the horror show uh, that is Daily Horror Notes this year. Really had a lot of fun overall. Had some really awesome watches, and I think uh, overall, I think I might just rank my favorite watches at the very end of the episode. I have pulled an audible at the last second, because uh, if you don't know, we had my wife and I had our our second child this last weekend and so i was planning on doing the last house on the left but uh, you know i've watched some other horror films and we, i just couldn't watch that one so i, I decided i'm going to rank all of my horror watches this last month and yeah just kind of recap the month of october but we will have a review for 1977's Eraserhead and 2007's Trick or Treat with Todd. So here is the kind of the opening that I uh, shot with Todd and the review for Trick or Treat as well. Our headline review. I need a special guest here, and that is the return of Mr. Todd. Todd, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, Adam. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to see you again. It feels like we just recorded this intro again. But anyway. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking uh, about. <laughs> yeah, what, 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 what is this? No. Uh, so you're going to be, uh, again, if you haven't listened to the last week's episode, Todd was there as well. And a few weeks ago, a couple like, like last month, we came up with this idea where Todd's going to watch some horror films with me and be a part of the, the reviews and it was a good conversation, and we came across a film that he had not seen that I really wanted to talk about because it was celebrating our anniversary, and that is Trick or Treat. So pretty excited to have him share his thoughts on that movie. I'm hoping he doesn't butcher me for it. <laughs> Before we get started, make sure you guys check the show notes to just find out where all these films are streaming because they're a lot of fun. So go check it out. All right, so let's jump into the review for Trick or Treat. This is the one night. So don't forget your costume sorts of things roam free the halloween school bus massacre
All right, Trick or Treat came out in 2007, and it's a kind of an anthology film that has five different interwoven stories that occur on Halloween night. And I'm reading the synopsis on IMDb because to get you the full spectrum of what the stories and uh, this story embodies here, an everyday high school principal has a secret life as a serial killer. A college virgin meets the may, might have just met the guy for her. A group of teenagers pull a mean prank. A woman who loathes the night has to contend with her holiday-obsessed husband, and a mean old man meets his match with a demonic supernatural trick-or-treater. All right, Todd, what are your thoughts? I mean, that, that was like a terrible description of the movie, yeah. but okay. <laughs> but I mean, I get, this does leave a lot for what, what to actually watch it. Uh, I mean, I, I love a good anthology movie. This is this is a lot of fun. It's got... It's like a, the charm of like a 90s slasher, but not as corny. Like, I love how it's interlocked, all these stories, and like they all have a similar kind of tone and they pop up in each other's stories. So you kind of uh, never lose track of where you're at. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, love, I love the actors in this. I mean, I, I was like, Anna Paquin, yes, please. Like, I, I, no, I had no <laughs> idea she was in this. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a really fun movie. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I watched it. I, I actually watched it twice. Oh, there we go. Hell yeah. Well, I'm glad you did that. Yeah, it has like a lot of really cool actors in it as well. And I like that's always what I've always loved is having these interwoven stories that are all connected loosely and rewatching it again. It was, it was a fun time and definitely seeing like Anna Packman. I think this was like run her, uh, what true blood. She was in what true blood, right? What's that show yeah. called? Yep. Yeah. Now, that's a vampire show, right? True. So seeing her as a werewolf is pretty a uh, little different. Spoiler. Cool. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, but yeah, just watch the movie. It's 2007. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but one well, of this my actually didn't get released in the U.S. until 2009 because it was a. Uh, it, it, it ah. probably was a long success of, uh, maybe True Blood that actually got it widely distributed. I I was I was looking oh, at that. I didn't it, that. it uh I can play it on some festivals. And like 07 and 08 and then in 09 it finally got released. Ah, but well, awesome! I didn't realize that. That's pretty cool. That's good to. That's good to know. And it's kind oh, of a wow. perfect Halloween movie, but it's just yeah. Originally played at the Butnam Athon Film Festival <laughs> in December 2007, and then yeah, then looked like it hit the festival circuit in 08. Kind of a weird, oh. a weird trajectory for a horror movie, don't you think? That is, yeah, playing at some festivals and then, yeah, got delayed. That's kind of interesting, especially this. I know this film has a lot of, of fans and followers for it because when I, before I watched, I think I watched it for the first time last year. I think we were doing some workout in our garage and we're like, okay, let's put some movie. I think it was like around October time. It must be because we watched like Monster House and stuff out there. We were like doing some stuff and out there and reorganized it. So we put brought a TV and just put a movie on. And this is one of them. We just kind of, realized that we were stopped working because we were just walk got glued to the tv for the movie and we're like oh i guess we should finish up the work after the credits started rolling so it was it, it was cool to kind of re reminisce on kind of that memory and, and then rewatching. and we just it was just it's a blast uh having all these different stories and actors here let's actually jump into that real quick uh, this movie is directed by michael dowtry and it's written by him as well and has a, a great cast of and Anna Paquin, Brian Cox, Dylan Baker, Rochelle Eats, Quinn Lord, Laura Lee Smith, uh, 
bunch of other people here as well. And uh, what's your favorite story or characters in here that uh, you kind of like, I want to watch more of what's going on in this world. Oh, I, I love Dylan Baker as the principal with yeah, uh, that's what I had too. <laughs> the, the kid from bad Santa. Like, uh, yes. Dylan oh, Baker, that's from. yeah, yeah. Dylan Baker is kind of totally on brand in this movie. Cause in, in that movie happiness, he played like a pedophile. And so he was playing like a child killer. So he's, he has, he has that face that he looks normal, but he's absolutely just creepy when he turns it on. And I love the playfulness of him and Brian Cox uh, in in the other yard. It's just it's a, and um, they they do really just subvert what you're actually thinking when when he's whenever every scene that he's in basically. I, I wanted to see a whole movie of just the Dylan Baker character. Yeah, that's what I had wrote down too. Is the Dylan Baker as the principal is like my favorite one. They always check your candy, and the kids just like throwing up because of the candy bar. And I love his like his interactions with his son. He's like, "Dad, can you come in here and help me with the the pumpkin?" He's like, "Yes, stop yelling." So why? Because I don't want the neighbors to hear. <laughs> it's just it's great. He's like trying to be a father, but also he's a killer <laughs> at the same time. It, it's pretty brilliant. Uh, that, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, their their pumpkins are are yeah, that they're interesting. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of pumpkins, <laughs> a lot of jack o' lanterns in here. Uh, then I also really liked the uh, the demonic trick or cheater. Like he pops in quite a bit. Like what's going on with that guy with like a little bag on, over his head? And come find out he pops up with the uh, Brian Cox's character, which is the neighbor of Dylan Baker's principal. Well, he's uh, in every we... he's in all all the stories, right? Because he's yeah. he's like the the one that joins them all because he's like the the keeper of the halloween rules or whatever like is he yeah he yeah that 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 character is obviously sinister and weird but um which i mean with him and the brian cox story is is nuts like i mean that that whole that whole sequence is pretty shocking and and uh yeah and uh, brian cox is terrific in that yeah, and it's great. That's the second. This is the second horror film that we've talked about with Brian Cox in it. The first being The Ring, and it's just great to see him pop up again, just being this crazy old man. And can find out there's some dark sinisterness to that character. Um, and there's some like the story beat. That I guess we can go into the next one is that that the the, the mean pranks that that those kids play. Come to find out that with the bus and stuff like that actually is real. That's a, freaking trip kind of forgot like it actually was so it tripped me out after only seeing it but this is only my second second or third time watching it so it, it kind of forgot about that storyline and it yeah it's it's still effective man it's, it's creepy yeah that one i'm not sure that that actual segment worked in the um at standalone but in the context of the movie it works pretty well because like i mean i don't know when you're talking about little kids in a horror movie, I think like we we would probably agree that it pretty much like ruined all of the other ones for everybody. So uh, I mean, so it was a little underwhelming watching that section. And there's also a little bit like scary stories to tell in dark kind of feel to it. But mm. I mean, in the context of this movie, it it, it works pretty well because of the later revelations about what happened. Yeah, definitely it has that one. Definitely a, it's a individual story, but it's also it's contained because it has to be a tied into a different story too definitely couldn't be but if you're just making a movie about that segment you couldn't really do that i don't think and you're right it has probably some of the best like kid horror elements that you can really have as well so yeah um trying to think here oh yeah the uh the couple at the very beginning where the, the they wanted to like take away all the uh 
the the decorations at the beginning that at least the wife does and the the guy goes upstairs and just watches a whole big box of porn <laughs> I, definitely uh <laughs> he he had a no paul rudd and seth Ro- or paul rudd in a 40 year old virgin i would think i think that it's a conspiracy theory there boner jams 03 yes exactly uh but yeah that that storyline it's definitely the one that doesn't get as much screen time as every other one and they do pop up in other stories as well but yeah that's kind of a good way to you always want to have a good kill when you start out a horror movie and i think that was a pretty interesting kill yeah turning her into one of the decorations is pretty that's pretty legit yeah with a big giant like what like a (laughs) pumpkin pop in her mouth or something like that i don't know what it was but yeah (laughs) that was pretty great um I'm trying to think what else, what was the other one? Oh yeah, the, like there's like the vampire one, and, and then oh I guess the Anne Paquin. We haven't really talked about hers. What did you think about the Anna Paquin sequence? See that that was one that reminded me of like a '90s slasher uh, sort of feel because it, it it starts out as just sort of just kind of romp or whatever with college mm-hmm. students, and then and then it obviously um, you know descends into something a lot weirder when uh when they were viewed to be werewolves and like there's some pretty sick kills in that uh, in that segment and uh yeah i mean it, that one's it's not my favorite but it, it is fun to watch because i mean obviously impact one yeah it's it's definitely very it definitely very 90s vibe uh, and i, I kind of like i like it too because 90s it was a very fun time of horror like some of my favorite movies like we just talked about scream the scream franchise really took place there and then we had like um, the faculty, which is one of my favorite ones, and there's a bunch of like very cool like music has to play over killing and like really re- big reveals. You have to have like a really cool song play, and that's exactly what th- that happened during that that sequence in Trick or Treat. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so overall, what kind of where where were you falling on our rating scale for this one? Oh, it's it's a solid three stars. I mean, it, the the movie is relatively short. It's like what eighty minutes long, and. Uh, yeah. It, it, whenever you feel like it might something might be overstaying its welcome, it sort of it kind of shifts to another like angle, and then so you're never really dragging. It's it's just a it's a really fun movie. I, I don't know I don't really know that I would call it a comedy horror like it's listed on IMDb, but it it, it is a is a really <laughs> solid movie. A yeah, comedy horror that's kind of funny. I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, de- definitely the movie doesn't overstay its welcome. It kind of really moves along. Once you're feeling like, okay, where is it going to go next? It changes its perspective on things. I love – that's one of my favorite things at the very ending is all the stories kind of play into it. You're like you're hinted at the beginning of it, and then it comes like you have a different angle of the opening shot, and it's – every all the characters are intertwined at the very beginning, which is pretty interesting. I like it. Um, okay. Let's go into that box office again at the bottom here. And like you said, it did on IMDb right now. It says release date November 27th, 2015 in Latvia. So it just got its release a couple <laughs> years ago in Latvia. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, wow. This is this is very interesting. The box office, all we have is the budget here, and it's $12 million. There is no box office numbers for this movie. Wow. Which this would be a first. Very interesting. We don't have box office totals for trick or treat. Well, I mean, on IMDb it says it was released in New York on October twenty first, two thousand nine, and then it was released then has like a video, a DVD release date, but not even listed for the US. So it was like a 
Oh, so the DVD was actually released in October 2019. So maybe it technically, I mean, it technically qualified for awards because it's released in New York, but it technically is a straight to video movie. Oh, that could be it too. Yeah, I also see it got a release at Fantastic Fest, which is the big kind of um, festival that people go to too in 2009. Yeah, a lot of DVD premiere. Yeah, interesting. Okay, well, I, the one movie that I thought would not make it to, which would definitely be in theater, would be this one. But Wishmaster, the extremely B-rated movie, got a release in 1997 theater. That's that's weird. That's that seems wrong to me. <laughs> when this one has a has a planned sequel for apparently a long time. It's a I read that it was uh, in 2009 they were already planning a sequel, and <clears throat> now it says it's in active development. So it might actually be coming out in the next. I mean, or it might get officially greenland next few years maybe i don't know i don't know how I don't, how slow that things like that work that whole process process goes um and we do have a couple of nominations and awards love for this film too let's take a look at it uh the fangoria chainsaw awards i got two nominations yeah best limited release slash direct-to-video film and one for that in 2010 mind you and Best Supporting Actor for Dylan Baker at one for that is in Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. Awesome. The Fright Meter Awards, it got Best Horror Film. This is 2009's awards. So it won for Best Horror Film, Best Director for Michael uh, Daughtry, Best Supporting Actor for Dylan Baker. It got nominations for Best Supporting Actor for Brian Cox and Best Screenplay by Michael Daughtry. Oh, there we go. Best Smoes Award for 2009. It got, it got nominated for Best Horror Movie. I love those guys. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Best International Film Music Critic. What the hell? Oh, okay, that, that makes sense. Best okay, International Film Music Critics Award. Got nominated for Best Original Scores for a Horror Slash Thriller th uh, Film. Um, Screen Fest. You got, got the Audience Award for Michael <laughs> Dautry. Um, oh, here, this is the best one, right? Here. Young Artist Awards. Best performance in a DVD film. Connor Christopher Levins. He got nominated. Who was oh, is that? Oh, that was Dylan Baker's kid. Uh yeah, that's Philly. Dylan Baker's kid, yeah. That's awesome. And then the Toronto After Dark Film Festival got nominated for Best Feature Film. So the oh, <laughs> oh yeah, the Rondo Hato Hatoon Classic Horror Films in 2009. Best nominated for Best Film for Michael Daltrey. So a lot of uh, random award shows we've never probably heard of, but uh, cool to see some love for Dylan Baker. That was pretty cool. Definitely. Uh, and Brian Cox got some love there too. And uh, Michael McDowell got some love. So the movie got some, uh, some awards levels. I was definitely not ex expecting considering that we <laughs> probably didn't get a worldwide release either. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot. This is what you see with a lot of horror movies. Like the, yeah, I've seen these things before: the Chainsaw Awards and the Fright Meter mm -hmm. Awards. Like, they pop up for these kind of movies that aren't actually ever going to be real awards players. But it, it's cool that there is a faction of people who do, like, actually, uh, you know, nominate and uh, give give recognition to movies like this. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, see, after considering that probably the production and release schedule that this movie maybe did have for the director to direct oh, this movie should just have fallen into obscurity probably because of just not getting worldwide release and just kind of one of those straight to video probably 
but seeing that it has a really good cult following and a good following, I'm glad that you know this movie is uh, you know still being uh, seen because it, it's definitely worth watching. It's a really entertaining watch. Yeah, definitely. It's it it's an easy movie to watch. Like I said, I watched it twice. It's it's like 80 minutes long, and uh, yeah, it's totally fun. Turn it on late at night, and you'll you'll you won't you won't be falling asleep or anything. So what you need to do is you need to win trivia and you need to stick this movie with one of the Terry or Zach. <laughs> I would yeah, be I'm not sure which one of them would like it more. I don't know. I bet yeah. this is more of a Terry movie than a Zach movie, but uh, I would have to. But he he's he I watched X recently and he really liked that movie. And I think this could be it's definitely different. If you, sure, but if, the anthology thing probably would turn him off. Oh, damn it. Yeah, you're right. Terry might be thoroughly entertained by that, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, they should watch it. <laughs> we I need agree. to get quad approved on this movie. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's our thoughts on Trick or Treat. So, thank you again, once again, Todd, for uh, uh, chatting movies with me. Always a pleasure. All right. So, we are talking about 1977's Eraserhead. It comes in at an hour and 29 minutes, and it is streaming on HBO Max. That's where I was able to watch it. It's the Criterion version of the film, which is awesome. And this is actually, come to find out, my second David Lynch film that I reviewed this year. David Lynch, my very first time ever watching a David Lynch film came last year in 2021 when I watched The Elephant Man. And I absolutely love that film so much. Such a great movie. I watched Mulholland Drive, which... Most likely is in my top 100 movies of all time now. Really loved Mulholland Drive for the mind trip that it was. And Eraserhead is an even bigger mind trip. And it's a fantasy horror film directed by the one and only David Lynch. And it's written by David Lynch himself. And the cast is Jack Nance as Henry Spencer. Uh, Charlotte Stewart, Alan Joseph, Ginny Bates, and Judith Roberts. So I'm not really familiar with any of the cast here. However, I really wanted to watch this movie. It has an iconic poster. And being a David Lynch film, I kind of want to go into his filmography because just to kind of get more and more back to back what his film taste is like. And Elephant Man being the one more easily accessible films, I really ate that one up. Mulholland Drive being the complete opposite end of the spectrum, really ate that film up. So I was really curious and excited to go into Racerhead. And the synopsis on IMDb it says Henry Spencer tries to survive his industrial environment, his angry girlfriend, and the unbearable screams of his newly born mutant child. So, going into this movie, I had no expectations, no idea. Well, I did have the expectation of liking it because of David Lynch. And I really had no idea what this film was about. And I quickly realized, because when I watched this movie, I had my headphones in at the hospital, awaiting the arrival of our beautiful daughter. And I realized that they talk about postpartum and not being able to sleep and insomnia about a newborn child. And I was like, this is the wrong place and time to watch this movie because it is scaring me. Our daughter is amazing and has been doing a really good job on her sleep. But Based off this movie, it was just kind of like a really creepy vibe to watch in the hospital. Uh, my little takes on this one, I think that it is definitely weird. I don't necessarily know what 
this movie is about. I know it's the fear of fear of sleep and insomnia, and it, it's very interesting. I think David Lynch does a really good job with his tone, and he has a vision of what he wants to do, but it it definitely requires multiple rewatches to probably grasp everything that's happening in the film. I think Jack uh, Nance is really good as Henry Spencer. He has that kind of look with his eyes that he really speaks and you kind of try to figure out what's going on. Really crazy hair as well. Uh, the tone of the film that David Lynch was able to do was really creepy, eerie, made me feel kind of disturbed as, as well. The mutant child in the movie is really creepy to look at and a really cool practical effect used by him. The, the rest of the cast is kind of just... It's whatever. They, I don't, nothing really grabs my attention on the, the performances here. It's just kind of that tone. It's, it, you don't really know what's going on. So I'm kind of left wanting kind of an explanation of what's happening. And maybe that's because I need to rewatch it again. And it, I'm, I'm definitely curious about a rewatch here. And it doesn't really have those traditional those scares. But it definitely has kind of the horror themes and horror-esque vibes to them. Uh, especially being an all black and white, I thought that was a really good choice there. It really kind of plays down the um, the vibe of those kind of uh, retro horror films, those black and white horror films, as well, and having those the, the industrial at, uh, environment here and kind of the robotic nature of how everybody talks. It's really interesting. I think the vibe, it's the 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 set design, the prop design, the art direction—that's the word I'm looking for—is probably the best thing about the movie. To be honest, it's, it has that really creepy sets, low-budget-looking sets that really pull every ounce of what kind of your imagination onto them. Uh, but yeah, this is a it was a really weird movie, and I probably shouldn't if I if I would have known what some of the themes were about, I probably wouldn't have watched in the hospital. Uh, but I did, and it maybe made it even eerier. I'm really not knowing if I liked it or not, but. My first watch, I thought I had to appreciate it. I'm giving it three stars. I think it does fall into my 1977 top ten. Granted, I haven't really watched a whole lot of movies from that year. But Eraserhead definitely probably falls it in, in place around in somewhere in my top ten at some point. And it's a three-star film. I think it's a really solid movie. It's just... Um, it, it's really hard to explain what it is. So I'm kind of really doing my best to try to point out things I really liked about it. And I think David Lynch is just one of those filmmakers that he requires multiple rewatches because you know Mulholland Drive is one of those movies too that there's a lot going on and it, you know I'm not really excited, entirely sure the whole entire time where I'm what it's doing. I'm zigging when it, the movie's zagging, and I think that's kind of what Eraserhead does here as well. Uh, just not as grand of a um, job as Mulholland Drive, but David Lynch did a really good job. I think that I'm really intrigued to watch more of his movies and go from there so i think blue velvet is going to be one of those movies i need to watch soon as well uh this movie came out let me try to find that page here uh yeah razor Ray came out february 3rd 1978 actually hold on a second 1978 oh no well it did come out in a film festival in 1977 and oh nope never mind it got a wide release in 1978 but it, it premiered in New York in September 28th, 1977. It's the new worldwide premiere. So it's a 1977 movie. And I'm not sure what the budget would be here. It's a oh, $10,000 budget. So that's, yeah, they he pulled a lot out of it. So I guess the black and white, having those, those 
the but the art direction looked kind of low budget but creepy at a way i think the the black and white definitely plays with that kind of what are you seeing type of an atmosphere too the worldwide box office is only 23,000 almost 20 23.5 uh, 23,500 around there so it didn't really make a whole lot of money so not a financial success by any means uh, but one of those kind of like cult maybe cult favorites and I, I got again got a criterion release so who knows i might be picking that up at some point because i do have the criterion of mulholland and elephant man so might as well add this to david lynch collection on criterion got a couple uh, nominations for uh, awards as well the uh, fantastic film festival at raz fantastic film festival in 878 got a winner for attendance or tinny it award for david lynch and a nomination for the grand prize there it also got for the Fantasportio, got nominated for International Fantasy Film Award for best for David Lynch. There he got nominated. Uh, the National Film Preservation Board USA got winner for the national. It, it's been part of the National Film Registry, so that's pretty cool. And yeah, a really fascinating, interesting movie that requires multiple watches. I think that there's a really good performance there by uh, Jack Nance and having David Lynch at the helm makes it worth a loan of the watch streaming on hbo max take a look at its three stars for me so all right so our we're not doing another review but we are going to recap our you know our favorite watches we're going to actually no not favorite watches we're going to rank every film that i watched in this in this month of october to do a kind of a recap let's go all right so i, I have tabulated i have calculated my films that I watched for the entire month in this recap portion of Horror Notes. I've watched 14 films, first-time watches, mixed in with re-watches as well. So really overall, really fun month of horror discussed on the uh, podcast this month. So we're just going to do a real quick bullet rapid-fire, you know, top 14 list. So number 14 is Cat People uh, from 82 uh, yeah, I just kind of really fell flat. I wanted more out of this creature feature. Had some interesting things being happening in it, but just really kind of fell flat. Didn't really kind of care for it. Really, rather bored in watching it. Number 13, I have The Gate. Uh, really wanted more of it. Got some Goonies-esque vibes, but just really cheesy, unlikable characters from the kids. Some interesting things. If you had nostalgia watching this as a kid, you'd probably like it a lot more than I do. Uh, number 12, I have Scooby-Doo. This is going to be a guilty pleasure no matter what. I really enjoy this movie. I'm putting it a little lower on my list for the simple fact is there's really no horror like scares in it, but it is kind of has that mystery, a really good introduction for kind of kids into the horror genre. There's some of those little thrills in there for the kids. Uh, number 11 is Wishmaster. I really like this movie a lot more than probably had any right liking it. It's rarely be really cheesy, really uh, campy, but it's a lot of fun. I really rather enjoyed it. Uh, number 10 is Ghost Ship, another movie that didn't get really good reviews by critics, but came out in 2002. I had a blast with this. I think the set on this ship is really fun. Uh, the ending is rather uh, uh, bad, but overall the fun time was it was just great fun to have. At number nine, I have Eraserhead. Just talked about the movie there. I uh, wanted to probably like it a little bit more, but uh, it's David Lynch, so it's definitely worth something to watch. Number eight is a Del Toro film called Mimic. Really fun movie. Uh, some CGI effects don't work so well, but there are some really good practical effects with these co cockroaches there. So Mimic's a really fun uh, movie to check out. Number seven, I have Trick or Treat. Uh, 
surprisingly it's a little lower but this movie i had this month i had some really good movies there but trick-or-treat really fun anthology film a lot of good stories there really like the characters the principal characters the best one for me uh, number six i have the ring i really liked the ring as one of the movies i really liked growing up Rewatching it there were some things i i didn't really care for as much on this time rewatch but it's still a really solid film then we watched it's a great performance, and I like the whole Samara character. And you don't even see her until like the last like twenty minutes of the movie, which is great. Uh, number five is Angel Heart. Really fun watch there. I really liked this kind of mystery kind of investigation that Mickey Rourke does with Robert De Niro just eating up every bit of scenery there. Really cool the kind of demonic uh, voodoo rituals stuff happening in this one. Really cool movie. Uh, number four, I have Halloween three: Season of the Witch. Uh, it's another anthology film but this time in the halloween franchise really cool movie i really liked it really campy also but just a lot of fun for me silver shamrocks is gonna take down the world uh number three i have scream 2 this movie has moved up so much in the scream franchise ranking i really liked leaf schreiber in this one as cotton weary best performance in that movie but just really a lot of fun i like love the scream franchise but this one just got so much better at this watch, and I absolutely loved it. Loved it. So, Scream 2 there. Number 2 is another movie that I really love, Poltergeist. Now, my top 10 of, uh, what is it, 82, I think I have Halloween 3 higher than Poltergeist in my top 10. I think Poltergeist isn't even on there. I think Poltergeist is number 11. But Poltergeist is a fantastic movie. Great family dynamics that speak volume to the, the movie. And absolutely adore Poltergeist now. So one of my favorites. Probably have to watch it every year now. I definitely have to say. And another movie that I have to watch every year is going to be my number one pick. And that is Evil Dead 2. What a blast. I had I laughed. I had fun with the practical effects. They did an amazing job with this. Bruce Campbell doing eating up every bit of scenery. And it's just a great watch. Uh, can't believe I never watched the movie before until this year. But now it's going to be a mainstay for my household, hopefully. I'm looking over my wife, and hopefully she gets a, she gives me a, a very patient smile. So uh, Evil Dead 2 is a lot of fun. So definitely check them out. But anyway, I really had a lot of fun talking about all things horror this month. So we're going to be back at it. Um, the regular kind of movie reviews for the rest of the year. I think next week is 2017. So we're going back a couple of years now. We're talking about our first time watch Darkest Hour with Gary Oldman. And our rewatch is going to be Logan. I haven't watched it for five years, so definitely have to get, kind of remember that movie. So anyway, Logan and Darkest Hour will be next week's show. So anyway, until then, talk to you later.